We're in a series that's focusing on prayer. We've been studying passages across the Scripture. Uh, it's a little different than what we typically do, working our way through a letter or a book of the Bible. Um, but we've been working across the Scripture through a number of different passages, really asking questions about prayer and learning uh, from God's perspective about prayer. So we've asked questions like, what is prayer? How, when do we pray? How do we pray? Those kind of things. Last week, we began dealing with the question, why pray? It's probably one of the most asked questions about prayer, and we dealt with it from a perspective of God's sovereignty. We looked at it, and it, God sovereignly knows what's going to happen. Why pray? He knows already what I need. He knows already what I want. He already He knows everything, so why should I pray? Well, we dealt with it from a perspective of the Old Testament, and we looked at a passage that demonstrated to us that God not only sovereignly orchestrates and knows the ends of things, but He sovereignly determines the means of things. He wants us to pray because He wants us to. But prayer is a, is a major part of how God accomplishes his work in the world. And so from that, though, there's there's this idea, well, OK, all right, well, that's going to make me pray. It's going to make me want to pray. I'm going to turn to God in prayer. But wait a minute. All those prayers going up Isn't God going to be busy. I mean, isn't, isn't he just going to I'll just bring God the big things. I'll turn to God when I recognize I absolutely need him. Why would I bother God just for my everyday goings on? Right. I mean. I don't know. Maybe you maybe you um, remember a movie, Bruce Almighty, about this guy who you guys remember that, right? It's a silly movie, but this guy thinks he's he's upset. Things aren't going his way and he's upset with God. And God says, "Okay, you know what? Here, you answer prayer. So then his life is overwhelmed with all the prayers that are coming in. and He just can't keep up. So he devises an email system so that he can handle prayers. The reality is, is that this this blessing of prayer, God gave it to us and he gave us certain promises about it. And the passage that Billy just wrote, read to us has a couple of parables and some promises that are revealed that are absolutely spectacular that I think should put us in a place where we're not just going to God whenever it's big and out of our our perceived control, but that we should be striving in and, and looking for prayer, praying constantly, regularly, daily about all the, all the goings on in our life, all that's happening in our life. And the fact is, is that God wants us to. There's one major point, I think, that's demonstrated through these two very short, small parables. And, and I, I want to give it to you now. We'll work out the rest of the way through the sermon. And that, that, that point is this. God is a good Father that hears and answers all the prayers of his children. Let me say it again. God is a good father that hears and answers all the prayers of his children. When you pray sincerely as Jesus had instructed his followers to pray, when, when we pray as Jesus has shown us to pray, we can be confident that no matter how big or how small, no matter, no matter what it looks like, God will answer. Well, let's work through this, and, and I think I'll be able to show you this through the context or through the, through, the, through the Scriptures. But before we get into what Billy read, you need to understand what's going on here. You need to understand the broader context of the passage. Luke, 1 opens, or Luke 11 opens up, and it says that Jesus is in a particular place praying. This is a, a, this is a normal thing for Jesus. I mean, he just would go away and, and pray. He was by himself. He'd, he'd seclude himself. Sometimes he'd pray in front of people. Sometimes he'd pray for people. Sometimes he would be by himself and pray. And Luke shows us this more than any of the other gospel writers. He lets us see the prayer life of Jesus. And so there's this particular time he's secluded himself. He's drawn off and his disciples come to him. They know what he's doing. They're not surprised by it. It's nothing, nothing new to them. They see it happening all the time. 
They come to him and they say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his followers to pray? Jesus is like, yeah, absolutely, I'll teach you to pray. And so he gives them what's called the Lord's Prayer. Now, Luke's version is slightly different. It's given at a different time during a different context. It's a little, it's a couple of phrases shorter than the one that's heard in Matthew. But then after he teaches them to pray, he comes to this passage or these parables and tells them about this, about why and how they need to approach this prayer. And he starts with the first parable that says, hey, who of you has a friend? And I think I think it's kind of funny because the way he says it, if you stop right there, who has a friend? Who of you has a friend? Well, I've got a friend. Do you have a friend? Yeah, I've got, I've got a friend. We've got, all got friends. Well, do you have a friend that if you had a traveler show up at your house in the middle of the night, that you that this friend, you could go to that friend, knock on their door, wake them up, and ask them to give you food because you need to feed your visitor? You got that kind of friend? Well, that's exactly the story that Jesus tells. But it's a little different than we might perceive it because, you know, we've got late night with Jimmy Fallon and and it keeps us up late. And so in the middle of the night, many of us are still awake. It's not that big a deal. If somebody comes knocking on my door, texting me or calling me at midnight, I'm probably still awake. Maybe some of you aren't. So I know some of you like to be in bed at nine, you know, lights out. I'm done. Ready, ready to go to sleep. That's not who I am. And then most much, much of our culture isn't that way. Otherwise, Jimmy Fallon would be on at night, right? Because they wouldn't have enough people watching late at night. Much of our culture just goes on. But here, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have flashlights to get around with. They didn't have, they didn't have the, a television to sit and be entertained by. They didn't have the things that we have that keep us up late. They were, they were going to bed when it got dark, and they were getting up when it got light, and they were working all the way through the day, and then they'd do it all over again that next night. That was life for them. So here's this guy. He is at home, probably himself, already in bed, and somebody comes knocking on his door. Hey, do you remember me? I'm from village such and such about 30 miles away. I don't know. That's how far away he was, but that's where it happens. He shows up. I need a place to stay. Can I stay with you? Boy, he's like, man, what am I going to do? Say no. I gotta be hospitable. I'm expected to be good to the stranger. I'm expected to be good to the visitor. So, absolutely, come on in. Come in to my house and stay with me. You know, it's been a long day. I hadn't had a thing to eat. I'm hungry. Can I eat food? No. Boy, I sure am hungry. I need something to eat. Well, see, in this culture, the the cultural dictate was that you were going to feed and take care of and meet the needs of your visitors. So this guy has a problem. What's really funny, though, is his problem doesn't just stay his problem. You see, he decides he's going to go to his neighbor's house. He's he's in this dilemma, and I heard some of the commentators and some some preachers talk about it in this way, that he was either going to be a bad host or a bad neighbor. And in his mind, being a bad host was the worst of the two evils. So he's going to go to his neighbor's house. He's going to wake his neighbor up and make his problem his neighbor's problem. And that's how it starts. Tunk, tunk, tunk. Hey, friend. He starts kissing his butt right away, right? He's, I, friend, you're so good. Buttering him up, making him ready. Can I get some bread? 
got this guy that showed up in my house and I got nothing for him. Can you fix my problem? Can you meet my need? Well, I don't know that I'd be quite as nice as this guy was. You know, the neighbor. Hey, my kids and my wife, they're here with me. We are in bed. Leave us alone. Ask my wife. I'm not that friendly when I get woke up in the middle of the night. I feel like I'm usually a pretty friendly guy, but in the middle of the night, I'm not a friendly guy. Leave me alone. You don't need an explanation. Get on. Go find the bread somewhere else. That's how I think I would have responded. This guy, this this neighbor, is like, look, here's why I can't help you, but I'm not going to help you. But he ends up helping. And why did Jesus say that he ended up helping? Not because he was a friend. Not because he actually liked the person outside his door. Not because he cared about him or was concerned about his need. But because he knew. He knew and realized pretty quickly that this guy wasn't going to quit knocking. He wasn't going to quit asking. He wasn't going to quit bugging him until he got what he wanted. You see, all of a sudden, the the neighbor has his own problem. I'm either going to be a bad father or a bad neighbor. And at first, it seems like, I'm going to be a bad neighbor because I don't want to wake up my wife and kids. Seems like that's the answer, at least for him. But then he realizes this guy's not stopping. Knock, knock, knock. Knock, knock, knock. I really need this bread. You don't, you don't get it. You don't understand this. This is a good friend of mine. He's a close family friend. I got to take care of him. I need some bread. Can you give me some bread? Well, now, if, if he doesn't do something, if he doesn't fix this, fix this guy's problem, his family's going to be woke up anyway. So instead of because he's a friend, instead of because of his concern for this man, because of this man's impudence, his, his boldness, his brashness, his lack of concern, his, his absolute incessant, unceasing petition, he gets up and gets the bread. Now, we've got to be careful because we don't want to put God in the place of the neighbor. That's not who God is. We'll deal with that just a bit in a, in, a, in a minute. But we should put ourselves in the place of the person asking and knocking. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus does in the next few verses. And he gives us this, this idea, this promise about prayer. He, he, he says, this, when we persist in prayer... God will always respond. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. And then that, that's such a big deal. It's such an important thing. He doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. He says, for he who asks, for everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I would summarize it to say it like this. When we persist in prayer, God always responds. There's no such thing as as an unanswered prayer. I think, I think our terminology around this confuses us. And it gives us this idea, well, God's not going to answer that prayer anyway, so why should I bring it to him? God's too busy for this little thing. Why should I bother? What Jesus is teaching us is that God always responds. Why do we pray about every little thing? Because God 
always responds. Jesus, he's, he's not like this neighbor who's sleeping with his family. God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He's always taking care of his business. He's always at his work. When we have a need, there is no wrong time or no bad time to approach God. See, as we seek, as we ask, as we knock, God is responding. There's this emphasis in those two phrases. There's this emphasis on what we do. First, it says to ask. Let's give, give, give a, give a, give a uh, phrase to it. Speak your need. Think it from your heart. Let God know. Direct your intentional thought towards God. Let Him know what you need. Tell him what you need. Ask for it. And he, then he says, seek it. Let me, let, me, let me put it like this. Let me, let me use that video from this morning as an illustration. Darbo's asking for prayer, right? He's asking us to pray with him. He is praying. My whole heart, he said, my whole heart, my commitment, my family's committed to all of Senegal, all of Gambia, and then some region. We don't, we couldn't understand what he said. I want all of them to be for Christ. I want every one of them to follow him, to love him, to worship him. I want them all to do that. He's asking for that. He asks God for that regularly. I've been with him. I've heard him pray it. But you know what he's not doing? He's not just asking and then just sitting there hoping it happens. Well, I asked for it, God. I guess you're going to have to show up and do it now. But he's actually giving feet to his prayer because he's not only asking for it, he's seeking it. And he's out there knocking on the doorways and, 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 and going into people's lives and, and telling them about Jesus and, and adopting kids into his home. And he's doing this, this, this work where he's asking God to empower it in such a way that he's seeking God's glory in Senegal and in Gambia. You see, he's asking for it and he's seeking it. It would be like me if we don't have problems. I'm going to use this as an illustration. But if, if Amy and I had problems, and I said, God, just fix our problems. But then I just sat there and did nothing. God, why didn't you fix our problems? we got problems. Fix our problems. No, the seeking puts feet to our prayers. Don't, don't, don't tell me, oh, I've been praying for my family members, for my friends. I want them to know Christ. Don't tell me you're asking that and then not being willing to be the one to approach them and tell them. Seek his answers. Look for his answers. Sometimes God answers prayer and we don't even recognize it. We don't even realize it because we're not looking for it. We're not seeking it. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. And he says, knock, and the door will be opened. The reality is there's this, this building, this, this continued stair-stepping building of activity and action in such a way it, it tells us that this is persistence. This is impudence, asking him, for, for approaching him, just not leaving him alone about it. Knocking. Knocking on that door. God, save my family. Hey. Did you know that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Jesus, I want them to love you. I want them to know you. Knocking, asking, seeking. That's what Jesus tells us. 
And that's the kind of prayer. That's the kind of people that God responds to. That's, that's His children. He looks at them and He says, I want them to have this. Listen, there is no such thing as a sincere, God-oriented prayer that's offered up by one of His people that God does not answer. It doesn't exist. We talk about prayers as being unanswered because we don't get what we want. What a denial of the power and presence of God in our life. Yeah, sometimes He says no. Sometimes He tells us no. James tells us that. You don't have because you don't ask and and you don't receive. Why? Because you ask with selfish motives. You ask to burn them on your own glory. You're more concerned about yourself. So sometimes God says no, but that's that's an answer. That's an answer. And he only says no when it's best for us, when it's good for us. So we ought to be thanking him for those answers. God, I want a million dollars. Seth, you don't need a million dollars. I know what you'd do with a million dollars. You'd run off and live on your own, and you wouldn't care about anybody else. And you wouldn't seek me because you'd be self you'd be independent. You wouldn't need me anymore. It's better if you don't have a million dollars. So no, you can't have a million dollars. Thank you, God, for saying no. Thank you for saying no, for answering that prayer that way. But God also says yes. And immediately, we, we know the answer to our prayer. God, I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I, I know you're calling me on this mission trip. I know, and this, this happened to me. I know, Father, that you want me to go. I know that I've got to find a way to, to pay my bills, and I know I've got to find a way to pay for this trip. How am I going to go? Will you provide for me? That day in the, in the mail... There was money, cash in an envelope, un, no, no return address, so that I could pay the deposit for the trip. Yes, Seth, go. Go. Sometimes he says, wait. God, would, would you bring my family to their knees before you, that they would know you intimately, that they would know your power and your presence that they would honor you with their life, that they would worship you and you alone? Would you show them the beauty and majesty of your Son, Jesus Christ? See, sometimes he says, wait. I don't know how that's going to work. don't know whether that's a yes or no answer, but eventually I'll find out. But until that day comes, I'm called to wait and continue persisting in prayer. I'm to keep praying. I'm to keep asking. I'm to keep seeking. I'm to keep knocking until that moment that that prayer is answered yes or no. You see, that's the that's the answers we get. And there's no prayer that we offer. I don't care how silly it might sound. There is no prayer that we offer that doesn't get answered in that way. God hears and answers your prayers. God is a good father. Who hears your prayers and he answers every one of them. Every one of them. So ask, seek and knock. Look for Him to do His work. We can and should call on God with every 
every need, great or small, and expect Him to provide for that need. That should be our heartbeat. It can be our heartbeat. And why can it be? Because God is a good Father who hears and answers His prayers to the prayers of His children. We gotta be careful. We gotta be careful. Especially in the culture we live. I just met with some people this week that were telling me about how many of the churches that they've had experience with here preach this gospel, this prosperity gospel that says, if you just want it bad enough, God will give it to you. I'd love to have a Bentley and a mansion. Not really, I don't care about that stuff, but I mean, that's what a lot of people think of. I want these nice things, you know, the, 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 I don't know, 10 foot television on my wall, the surround sound that sounds like I'm actually there. Actually, it'd be pretty cool to have TVs on every side so that maybe the different angles, I could feel like I'm actually in the movie with them, right? I mean, that would be so cool. God, I want that. I'd never leave home. Would you? I mean, no, because it's easier, right? No, we wouldn't do anything. Who cares if I got friends? I got movies that just excite me, thrill me. I want life on easy street. When I need life on trust in God more fully street. I mean, imagine that street sign. Trust in God more fully street. That's where we need to live, right? That's where we need to be. And that's the prayers God gives us. That's the prayer that God ensures we are, 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 are receiving and getting and, and having. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to lead you astray. He blesses you. He gives you plenty to enjoy. But brothers and sisters, you are guaranteed that He will give you what's best for you and what you need. And He will keep from you what will harm you. In fact, that's really kind of where this passage goes. Jesus didn't leave us thinking of God as that that ridiculous neighbor who just didn't want to get out of bed just for a few loaves of Come on, dude, give me some bread. It's going to take you a few seconds to get out of bed. You you got one room, right? How far do you got to go for the bread? Is it really that difficult? It, you're either going to wake your kids and wife up when you get up, or I'm going to wake them up because I won't leave. Just give me the bread. You see, that's, the thing is, that's not God. We don't need it. We shouldn't take that image away as God. See, Jesus lets us see God when he continues the story, and he brings us to this place where he talks about a father who gives us kids good things. You see, here we get to get an image. We begin to see God acting in prayer. God is not some grumpy neighbor but a good father to make sure his children have what they need. And I love the way Jesus puts this. I love the way he says it. He says, if you who are evil, this is why you need to know the context. Jesus isn't talking to the Pharisees. He's not talking to a bunch of lost people. He's talking to his followers. You who are evil know how to give good gifts. You're decent folks. You're following me, but you're evil. And you know how to make sure your kids get what's good. Yeah, who, who of you is going to, to give your child a, a, a snake when he asks for a fish? Who of you is going to, to look at your kid who asks for an egg and gives him a scorpion? In Matthew, in the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 7, he adds bread. 
He's like, if, if your child asks for bread, who's gonna, are you gonna give him a stone? Absolutely not. That's silly. Only the worst of fathers do things like that. Stupid, silly things like that. Some fathers just ignore their kids. Find your own food to eat. But you who are evil, even though you're evil, you're, you're trying, you, you wanna be good dads, you give your kids good things. How much more will the father give? And so I think the second promise. God's not just going to give us something that will harm us when we're asking something we think is good for us. You see, this kid in the second story, he's asking for sustenance. He's not, he's not going over the top. He's not asking for anything crazy. He's asking for fish. I, I want to eat. I'm hungry. An egg. Would you provide for me? He's not, he's not being, being ludicrous or silly. He's not asking for things that are, that are, that are really just huge and, and undoable things. These are just small, little things. And he goes to his father and asks that he would provide. But a good dad, I'm not going to give something harmful. He's not gonna, he's not gonna trade it out and say, oh, gave you a snake and that snake bit you and hurt you and I think that's funny. He doesn't do that. He wouldn't do that. I like what Tim Keller says about this in terms of this. He says, God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything He knows. You get it? God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything He knows. God is He's omniscient. He sees it all. He knows it all. He doesn't have to learn. He, he sees the beginning from the end. He knows everything. He knows your deepest needs. He knows the ways to bless you the best. He knows to what, what to give you and what to withhold from you. He knows. And not only does he know, he's able, he's powerful enough to bring it to fruition. He's actually able to accomplish these things. That's this big and beautiful and magnificent God that we get to call Father. That's him. So sometimes he withholds and sometimes he gives and sometimes he says, wait. But you can be sure that he will give you what blesses you. He will give you what you need. He will give you what's best. God is a good Father that hears and answers all the prayers of His children. I hope that that rings in your ears when you leave here. God is a good Father that answers all the prayers of His children. Every one of them. And, and I love the way that Luke tells us or retells us as, as, as Jesus said it here. In Matthew, at the close of this little section, at Matthew, in Matthew it talks about that he gives, that the Father gives what is good. But here as he's talking to his disciples, he's very specific. And he says that 
how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's interesting, I think. I, as I read through this and read it over and over, it suddenly dawned on me. Wait a minute. We've not been asked. We've not been told to ask for the Holy Spirit. If you go back to the Lord's Prayer, nowhere does it say anything about asking for the Holy Spirit. Nowhere does it say, God, give me the Holy Spirit. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about that at all. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. We forgive our everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then he goes into this place where he's talking about praying for daily needs, like getting bread because a visitor showed up. Getting fish and getting eggs. God, would you give me those things? Not once does he say anything about the Holy Spirit. Why would he say the Holy Spirit? Why? I, God, I, I want the good things. I, I want the stuff that I'm asking for. I think this is really our third promise, because when we persist in prayer, God's best answer is to give us himself. The best thing he could give you is himself. That's how, and in fact, the reality is there's probably prayers we think he says no to that he's saying yes to because he's showing up in us. As we're waiting on our family members or our friends, as we're, as we're waiting on those things that we're, that we're praying for, that we're asking and seeking and knocking for. The thing is, we not, we, we, we may not be waiting on a, on an answer. The answer may be that he just showed up in us. And we got to walk with him and we got to know him and we got to, to, to see his power work out in us and through us, around us. When we persist in prayer, God's best answer is not the money to feed your family. It's not to see your family saved. The best answer is that he shows up and lives in you. That's his best. And when you persist in prayer, he says this, Jesus promises this. How much more? Will God give you the Holy Spirit? I love the way John MacArthur put this in his commentary. To those who ask for a gift, he gives the giver. To those who ask for an effect, he gives the cause. To those who ask for a product, he gives the source. To those seeking comfort, He gives the comforter. To those seeking power, He gives the source of power. To those seeking help, He gives the helper. To those seeking truth, He gives the spirit of truth. To those seeking love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, He gives the provider or the producer of those Things you see when we persist in prayer, God gives us Himself. Why would we pray? Because God shows up in our prayer. In answer to our prayer, God comes and lives and dwells in us and, and lets us sense His power and His presence. He fills us with His, with His goodness. And then the words of that song, the simple, become so true. In the light of His glory and grace, everything else fades away. You get it? Why would we pray? Why wouldn't we pray? Why, would, why wouldn't we? 
I think the truth is this. Sometimes we don't pray because we don't want what God has for us. I'd really rather just have the million dollars. The TV on every wall so I could feel like I'm in a movie. The escape. And we don't we don't pray sometimes, I think, because we feel like we got a better answer than God. I hope, brothers and sisters, I hope. I hope and I pray for you that you'll realize how good a father he is. And that he hears and answers your prayers and what he has for you is the best. Let's go before him now and pray. Father, what an honor to call you Father. Would you glorify your name among your people right now? you fill us with your presence. Yeah, maybe there's one in here. Maybe there's some. They're just now realizing about their needs to ask and seek and knock. About your promise to show up no matter what. that every prayer gets answered. Would you encourage them to continue in the persistent prayer for your glory? Would you encourage all of us to that, Father? That we would be driven to our knees in prayer, seeking you and you alone, seeking your provision, seeking your best seeking and desiring Your presence and not stopping until we receive it continually. We love You. Father, we we thank You. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.